Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth from Madrona Financial and CPAs, where we give you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the solid advice and words of wisdom come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too, and we don't go any farther in the program, Brian, without reminding everybody that if you can't listen to the entire show today or you only hear part of it, you want to hear it all over again, you can do that by going to wherever you get your podcast and simply searching Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans. We have got well north of 200 plus podcasts there and growing every day, Brian. Those little two-minute mini radio shows that you do every day, Brian, they are there available at 12 noon every day Pacific. So there's a lot of great information on our podcast platform and really uh, want to thank everybody who has been instrumental in putting that together because we are getting a lot of great listeners there. But in the meantime, let's talk to the listeners that we've got on the radio show today. I want to talk about a number of things, Brian, and I guess this is sort of a reflection of what our clients are telling us when they come in to meet with us. So we're going to talk about some of the things that they talk to us about. And the first one really has to deal with political decisions, Brian. I remember a time when you said, well, the president really doesn't affect the economy that much, but I think you've changed your tune a little bit with recent political decisions, or have you? Yeah, I have. We went through uh, a lot of years where we had checks and balances in the system. You know, I had a Republican president, maybe Democratic uh, Senate, or and vice versa. And recently, though, we had one party in charge of everything for a couple of years here. And so we saw a lot of big changes. There weren't a lot of checks and balances. Things were getting passed that one party liked, and it maybe wasn't the best for the economy. And the point I like to make on this is that when you have one party in charge, regardless of which party, there is uncertainty. There is uncertainty as far as what the rules are going to be. So, for instance, when I look at some of the things I hear President Biden say, he'll say he'll just get up there and say, well, we're going to do away with this industry. You know, hmm. No more coal or no more cars that run on gas or no more this, no more that, no more pipelines. And if you're a pipeline worker on a pipeline, you're going, well, wait a second. That's my whole career. Right. You're in West Virginia. You're, you know, one of the 20 million people that work in the car industry. You're going, well, wait a second. You're going to outlaw my career? I mean, I remember this uh, way back when I was listening to Steve Forbes, and he was talking about the flat tax and running running on that for president. You may remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was talking about flat tax. I'm going, huh, I own a CPA firm. We prepare tax insurance for a living. Uh (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. He he wants to outlaw my industry. I, I don't know how I feel about that. And, you know, I and I was just talking to somebody recently, and they you know, what flat tax sounds pretty good. And all this stuff sounds good. Yeah, do away with coal. Okay, well, sounds good, but then what? You know, you do away with tax returns. You know, okay, that sounds good on the outset, but do you realize that most people will be paying more than twice the tax they're paying now? Oh, most yeah. people don't pay more than about 12% right. of their income in, in income tax, maybe 8 to 12. And with the flat tax, I've seen they'd have to do about 23%. 
So flat taxes give rich people a big tax cut and mm-hmm. people that aren't rich a huge tax increase. Yet when Forbes is running, everybody's going, rah, 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 we love flat tax. I'm mm-hmm. really, you're paying eight grand a year and you're going to pay 21. <laughs> and you're for that? Huh? <laughs> they don't know these things. Same thing with what I'm hearing, you know, the thing, uh, statements be made about massive changes. And when one party's in control of everything, those things can go right through. Mm-hmm. And they have. So political decisions now, when we have the one-party control, so you know, hopefully in the future, I, I'm always a big fan of checks and balances. Right. I don't want one party just doing changing all the rules. Because the stock market, uh, the people that run money and make decisions on expansion or, or industry or what they're going to do, what they're going to offer, how they're going to offer it, I mean, these are long-term decisions. You know, If you're going to build a plant and you want to create a product and so forth, and you, you realize, well, they could change the rules tomorrow. And my 10-year plan is just throwing out the, the door, and, and maybe the tax rates are going to change, and all the incentives are going to change, and you just don't even know. Interest rates change. I, I was going to you know build a plant and mm-hmm. borrow money and, and at a decent rate, and now I can't do that, and now all my plans are changed because you know, we get things passed without any checks and balances. So political decisions now, I think more than ever, and you're right, Jeff, I used to say I didn't think presidents had that much to do with the economy. Right. Well, now they do when they have one-party control. And it also seems that there's a bit of denial, I think, in terms of just facts that are right out in front of you. I mean, when I see inflation at uh, 20%, at least uh, for the things that I buy, they're reporting it as 8%. And then the president is saying, well, we're making some good progress. There's no more inflation. I mean, to me, that seems like a denial or maybe just leaving out a little bit of the truth. That's sort of like <laughs> lying or by omission or something. Oh, yeah. I got all of that going on. You know, if, if inflation is off the charts and then it drops a tenth of a percent from a high to still high, then they take credit for that. And, you know, like, well, recently it was I, I heard the president taking credit for the biggest increase for uh, seniors in Social Security payments. Biggest ever due to his hard work. I'm like, well, no, it was due to inflation. <laughs> Inflation's not good. Exactly. Don't brag about bringing us inflation. I mean, you just did. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, there is a lot of spin on everything, obviously. Tons and tons of spin. And uh, you have to see through that to see what's really going on. But, yeah, you're you're right that there is just these decisions that are being made and and forced through. Now, you know, one of the other ones I think about is inflation related to that, um, how, hey, if we borrow another several trillion dollars, we will be able to cut inflation. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? No, 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 no. Go back to uh, Economics 101. Right. Learn it the first week. (laughs) That's not how it works. Yeah. And you know this. Uh I know they're very smart people that are spinning. You can't spin something unless you're smart to begin with. Right. So I know you're smart enough to know that's not accurate. That is the opposite of accurate. But people don't challenge that enough. Certainly the media doesn't challenge. And the media, you know, I remember on a previous show, I suggested that every political office holder should be required to take an Economics 101 class, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I think every media person should too, because oh, yeah. they're reporting on it. Oh, sure. They said it'll cut inflation if they spend another $3 trillion. Uh, I'm going to report that. And I'm right. like, wait a second here. <laughs> you, you need the class too. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I, I think there's a lot of inf- misinformation just from not understanding basics about how the economy works. So basically, there's a lot of undereducation, not only in the media, but as you said, also with politicians. So again, I think it is a fact that certainly political decisions these days can affect the economy and can affect the market. So that's in this country, Brian, but what about around the world? How about geopolitical issues and geopolitical decisions? Can they affect what's going on? Yeah, we're going to go down a a list. I'll backtrack a second here about this show today that all of our advisors got together and said, what's on people's minds? What are you hearing? What what are their concerns and some of their challenges that they're talking about? So we made a big list and we're kind of going down that list. And it's interesting how one kind of affects the other, kind of affects the next one. It's almost like a domino effect. Right, snowball. So we started with political decisions. Now we're going geopolitical. And so when you look at that, well, does that affect my decisions as to how I invest? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. We see what's happening in Ukraine, of course, and, and China and big, powerful countries that don't like us very much. And, you know, they may say that they're trying to work with us or not. And, uh, you know, they're trying to influence elections or they're trying to steal uh, intellectual property or whatever it is. That's all out there. And so that can affect things. And, and even, uh, for instance, with semiconductors, we had the shortage. We relied on China. We passed some legislation saying, hey, we're going to promote semiconductor manufacturing back home. Well, it's about time. Uh, I think we should do that with pharmaceuticals, too, and a lot of other industries. Absolutely. But, you know, absolutely we should be doing that. Uh, we shouldn't be relying on China for our pharmaceuticals. We ought to get that out of Indiana or Ohio, where yeah. you came from, or something. Yeah. But uh, my opinion there, of course. And I'm willing to pay a little bit more for it, too, by the way. Me, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think most people would be. But, yeah, so geopolitical issues can affect uh, investment decisions or lifestyle uh, decisions. A lot of decisions related to financial planning. And when we're talking about financial planning on this show, we're not just talking about buying an annuity or putting money in the S&P 500. That is not what this show is about. This is much broader. This is about your, your life planning, you know, the book, The Seven Steps to uh, Successful Retirement. There's a lot more to it than just where you're going to invest your money, uh, whether it be stocks, bonds, annuities, cash, or real estate. We're talking about the issues that our clients bring up to us here at Madrona Financial. We talked about political decisions, geopolitical decisions. The next one, Brian, I mean, it's no secret that everybody, I think almost everybody, no matter how much money that you have, has been affected by inflation. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, inflation uh, is a silent killer of your your income. Yeah. You know, you, oh, yeah, I got a pay raise of 3%, but uh, hmm, uh, I feel like I went backwards. Well, that's because you did. You know, you're paying a lot more for everything. And once inflation happens, I, I, I never see the prices go back down. And, and certainly uh, the things we're paying for, as you mentioned, Jeff, earlier in the show, that it's not 8% more for most of the things we're spending money on. Your mortgage maybe didn't go up if right. you got a fixed rate mortgage, but mm-hmm. everything else going up way more than 8 Just look at what you're paying for things. And so we've got that issue. And where that really affects, I mean, you talk about the compounding effect of investing. Over the long term, it's just amazing, the compounding effect. If they take the Dow when I started public accounting – 100 years ago when it was between 1 and 2,000, now it's at 30,000. That's just 7% compounding. That's all that is. And so conversely, the compounding effect of inflation does the same kind of issue in a damaging way to consider. And a lot of people don't have that baked into their, their planning. They don't have baked in the compounding effect of what inflation could be. And now part of that is there's some misinformation out there, I believe, of a lot of pundits out there saying, oh, it's transitory. It's it's going to go down to 3%. The Fed's going to manage it at 2 to 3% in a year or two. I don't believe that. I absolutely don't believe that. I, I believe that it's high and it's going to stay high 
for some time. I don't necessarily think it's going to go to 1979 levels with Jimmy Carter and all that. Right. But I, I think it's high. And it's, you, you need to plan. I could be right or wrong here. But regardless, I would like to know that that is part of what I have considered when I'm doing my lifetime financial planning and lifestyle planning that I consider the real possibility that inflation is going to be high. It's going to have a compounding effect negative on my planning and my finances that I need to have a plan to combat. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs about some of the concerns that clients have that come in for their meetings. And we were talking before, Brian, you know, in the past uh, couple of weeks or so, we had a big power outage in Snohomish County and around Seattle. And one of the things that we noticed was because of the winds that caused the power to go out, there were a lot of trees on their sides. And we've talked about this before, before they clean them up. Go take a look at those. You'll see how shallow the roots are. That's why those trees couldn't withstand this particular storm. Well, the same applies really to your financial plan. If your financial plan does not have deep enough roots, you could be uprooted by a financial storm like the one that we're in right now. So how do you solve that? Well, you go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. You can get your rooted wealth analysis there. It's really quite simple. There are just a few questions that you've got to answer. You schedule a call, and we'll check how deep your financial roots really are. And if they're not deep enough, we'll give you some suggestions as to how to deepen those. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com, and click on the Get Started button. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about some of the issues that our clients have been bringing up at our client meetings. And Brian, last segment, we talked about inflation. Who is not affected by inflation these days? We talked about the cost of living adjustment. Of course, it's what, like 8.9% for people getting Social Security. But again, back to inflation. Most things that I buy, Brian, are up 20%. I've seen as much as 50 percent. And in some cases, in the case of gasoline, for example, they're up 80 percent. Has the Fed done enough? I mean, it seems like that they're not going to let up. They're going to make us crash a little harder than we initially thought. Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody has a rearview mirror on that one. I, I think it's pretty clear the Fed uh, was sleeping at the wheel and they kind of allowed this to happen. Now, we go back to, uh, we started uh, the first segment talking about political decisions and one big decision was to pump a ton of money into the economy a couple different times. Now, the first one I could see when we had COVID and everything was shut down and we needed to keep businesses open and keep people employed, all, you know, I'm like, okay, that, I, I get that one. But then uh, once a politician gets a taste of spending money, you know, they're never satisfied. So right. Then we had these other things, you know, Build Back Better and all these other things that were proposed and trillions more proposed and trillions put out in the economy. And at some point, you know, you got to pay the piper. And so inflation happens. I mean, that's just the cause. I mean, you know, I, you know where the cause is. It's, it was all that money pumped in the economy. People, you know, charge more for a lot more uh, supply of money out there to chasing uh, a fixed amount of goods or a declining amount of goods and services, which makes prices go up. That's back to my Economics 101 comment in the last segment. So the inflation issue came along and the Fed says, all right, we got to fix this now. Now that we're down the road, we've had these, you know, five, six trillion dollars pumped in the economy. Uh, we have terrible inflation. We have uh, all this stuff. 
we got to kill the economy for a while. And so they've been doing their interest rates hikes. And I've been asked, well, why does that kill the economy? And I'm like, well, if you were planning on spending a certain amount for uh, your business expansion or even personally, you were going to do certain things and, and use uh, leverage to do that, uh, lending, borrowing, that kind of thing. It's a big different equation when you're borrowing at 3% than 7 You know, It really changes things. And so we look at mortgages that went from three to seven or whatever it was, and people stopped buying houses. People right. stopped buying houses. Boy, just go down the list of people that are affected by that. And businesses, people stop expanding. And so they, they really put some cold water all over the economy to slow it down to combat inflation that was caused by political decisions that we started mm-hmm. out with. You know, some were forced on us by COVID, but some were not, uh, unforced. I'll call them unforced errors. Right, right. And you uh, talked about the domino effect, you know, even in the housing market, as you said, you know, builders, and I'd pointed out that builders are now building houses for rent. But, you know, if you're not building enough houses, there are people who supply the lumber to build those houses, the people who supply the uh, tools. And, you know, it goes down the list. There are mortgage brokers, all that sort of thing. And the housing market really can have a tremendous effect on our market and on our economy. Let's go to the next one, uh, Brian, and that is bonds and interest rates. Yeah, well, with interest rates going up, now we have a whole new slew of issues. It really threw a clinker into the real estate market, obviously, as you just mentioned. And the tens of millions of jobs that are literally tied to the real estate market, uh, I didn't even mention the energy market, with decisions that were made back to the political decisions and geopolitical issues and inflation and gas prices going up and pipelines you know, shut down or, or you know, all, all the stuff that, that goes into that, mandates, state mandates on the future of gasoline-powered cars and diesel-powered anything. That's affecting decisions now because you don't know what the rules are going to be in 15 years. And and so that's affecting another tens of millions of jobs potentially. And so you have massive adjustments. We're talking about the issues people are thinking about, and this, this absolutely is there. Just the two areas, as I mentioned, uh, energy and real estate, greatly affected by some of these decisions. So we're talking about interest rates. Uh, we've seen interest rates go up and how that relates to bonds. As we know, if you're a listener to the show, you know that if you own bonds and interest rates go up and new bonds pay higher than yours, you're losing money when you sell your bond. Simple as that. It's just a math equation. So what is the biggest investment category in the world? Is it cash and cash equivalents? No. no. Is it insurance company products? No. no. <laughs> is it real estate, Jeff? No. Is it the stock market? Uh, no, I'm afraid uh, wrong there too, Brian. Is it bonds? Oh, yeah. I, I think we have a winner here. We have a winner. It's bonds. Right, bonds right, lost money, right. a lot of money this year. The aggregate bond index is down, every time I look at it, it's down 15 to 20% year to date. And people were kind of sold a bill of goods uh, often on the bonds. They weren't explained. They were, they were explained that, well, the bonds are offsetting your stocks. They're the safe part of your investment. And now they're looking at their, their stock market investments going, huh, my S&P's down, you know, let's say it's down 20 and my bonds are down close to that and my NASDAQ's down 30. I don't feel very safe. I doesn't feel losing 15, 20% doesn't feel safe to me. Well, that's what happened. And you may be thinking about your portfolio. And again, it's the biggest asset class in the world. So we have the biggest, the most money invested in something that dropped value, period, this year when interest rates went up. 
So again, these these issues that are, are building on each other, the political decisions and geopolitical issues led to inflation, mm-hmm. led to increasing interest rates, led to a big decrease in the biggest investment category in the world. That's exactly right. And as you said, it is a domino effect. It is a snowball effect. One of these does affect the next one in the list. And the next one in the list here, who doesn't want to talk about taxes, Brian? Taxes are going up. Well, yeah, what happened uh, when you spend trillions of dollars, put that into the economy, where did that come from? You borrowed it. Right. Okay, well, federal government borrowed trillions of dollars. We're up over a national debt of over $30 trillion now. We're spending at, at levels we've never spent before. Our GDP to the deficit is nearing where it was at, uh, during World War II. Now, one thing that, <laughs> I hate to say this out loud, but, oh, you go, oh, okay, so our debt to GDP and our deficit to GDP is, is about one-to-one. When was the last time that happened? World War II. Jeff, do you remember when we talked about the the highest income tax rates uh, back in World War II? Do you remember what that one was? I'm going to, yeah, I do remember that conversation. And was it something like 90%? It was. It was 94. Wow. And it dropped, though, uh, after the war, all the way down to 90 (laughs) <laughs> and so it was 90 for about 15, oh my, 20 years. My gosh. The top tax bracket when we had this level of spending, deficit spending. And here we are again. And so now we have, again, this domino effect. The political decisions led to inflation, led to increase in interest rates, led to huge borrowing by the federal government, which will lead to taxes going up in mm. the future. I don't know that for a fact, but especially if we have one party in control – We know how that could happen. I know there's one group within that party that would like to see the 94% bracket back. So Mm -hmm. we all pay our fair share, Mm. as they call it, which I obviously don't agree with. But taxes have to go up in the future. So a lot of my clients are basing on other decisions. You know, they're trying to keep up with uh, inflation, with interest rates, dealing with that, with their investments, with their bond portfolios. Now they're thinking about what if taxes go way up in the future? So I was having a conversation recently about the estate tax. And we were talking about what the what the rules are today. But we acknowledge that, well, in 20 years or 30 years, it could be a whole new ball game. What if we have a 90% top income tax bracket? Hmm. What if instead of the estate, federal estate tax being 40%, it's 50, 60, 70, 80, 90? What if? Maybe we should be thinking about things we can do in the tax law today that would be grandfathered in so that we could provide for the possibility, the very distinct possibility, that income and estate taxes are going to go up dramatically in the future. And in fact, in the last round of talks with the Build Back Better, they were talking about doing away with the step-up in basis. Wow, yeah. So if you inherited an asset, you're going to get drilled regardless of how much sure. you inherit. Yeah. Or doing away with 1031 exchanges or doing away with the, the exemption of, of what you could pass away with. So right now, it's $12 million. You don't even think about estate state taxes. Federally, it's only $2 million in the state of Washington, roughly. But what about when they change the rules? Mm-hmm. So this is where the one-party system without checks and balances make the markets really nervous and hurt the markets because we don't know what the rules are going to be. We especially don't know what they're going to be in 10, 20, or 30 years. And Brian, and you know, talking about taxes, we just got the new tax rates a couple of weeks ago for the coming year. And I think the top tax bracket, is it 34, 37%? Which is it? Yeah, 30 37 uh, generally, but you got phase-outs too, so it actually goes closer to 40. Right. And and I, I got news for those folks in that bracket. That's probably the lowest bracket you're going to see, top bracket you're going to see the rest of your life. 
Right, and, and they change it for this year, but who's to say that that's going to remain for the years to come? I mean, nothing is set in stone. They could raise that easily. So I think that people really should account for taxes going up because they inevitably will do that. We're talking about things that people are talking to us about here at Padrona Financial and CPAs. Next one is uh, market crashes, Brian. I mean, who can not talk about the crash the market has had? Anybody who opens up their 401k knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're talking about the the domino effect. All these things that I just mentioned led to the stock market dropping. So we saw tech companies, uh, technology companies, for the first time ever, we see whether it's Facebook, uh, Meta, whatever you want to call it, or Twitter, or Microsoft, or Apple, or whatever, they're laying people off. Yeah, 11,000 employees with uh, Meta, as a matter of fact. Yeah, we've never seen that before. All we heard about is, boy, if you know how to turn on a computer, you can get a job for six figures at these places. <laughs> Not anymore. Walk in there. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Now they're looking at it going, huh, what do I, I need to really work at this. I got to find another job in another industry, right. perhaps. Twitter and is laying off people too, as well as Zillow. Absolutely. And so we're seeing a big change. And here's the other thing that happened. So technology sales internationally are dropping hmm. because internationally, the dollar got stronger against international currencies. There's a global recession because of geopolitical issues. And uh, as they say, when the United States has a cough, the rest of the world catches a cold. Right. And so what happens here affects them dramatically because most of the world's publicly traded companies, over 60%, are based in the United States and less than 40% are based in all other countries combined. And so we really dominate the economic sphere of influence globally. And so what's happened is that with the strengthening dollar, uh, other countries, uh, consumers, cannot afford as much as they used to afford of our goods and services. Well, we don't have a lot of goods that we export. We export services, a lot of software, you know, intellectual property, technology, that kind of thing. And so when that gets too expensive, well, guess what? You don't have as much to sell. And what does that lead to? Layoffs. Yeah, and Meta and uh, Twitter and Zillow, those are just the beginning. There's a whole list of companies that are laying off people these days. Absolutely. They'll have a domino effect there. And so uh, when they're laying off people and they're not buying as much, uh, maybe they're not buying as much hardware. And that, that dominoes through, oh, gee, uh, chips. And, and you, know, you just go down the list there that uh, all this stuff happened. And what did we see? A market crash, you know, a big drop in the stock market. And drops in stock markets happen all the time. But this one, uh, I don't think it's any coincidence. It was timed in the domino fashion of how we're presenting this in our show today of what led to another. And, and we're seeing that happen. So tying it back into the theme of the show, the theme of the show is not to make everybody depressed. <laughs> Hopefully we're not doing that. <laughs> no. The theme of the show was to get you thinking about, am I taking this into account? Right. So, you know, we just talked about taxes going up. Oh, no, taxes are going up. I, I'm just going to be nailed. Well, you don't have to be. Well, if you have a, a long-term care policy and you need long-term care, you know, that's, that's tax-free. If, if you have a fixed index universal life or premium finance or, or do a 1031 exchange or 1035 exchanges and, and get step up in bases, there's a lot of things out there that we can do proactively now. You don't want to wait too long. But if you think taxes are going up, why don't you put together a plan, a tax plan related with your investment strategy? That's, you know, I, I can think of a good place to right. go, Madrona Financial and sure. CPAs. Yeah. That combines those two pretty well right there. 
And you know, Brian, that's why it's so important, I think, to work with a CPA and do comprehensive tax planning. We've talked about this in the past. It's just one of the seven roots that sustain wealth. If you want to see how deep your tax planning roots are or your other financial roots are before the next storm hits, then go to madronafinancial.com and click on the button that says Get Started. When you do, you'll fill out some basic information and the staff at Madrona Financial will be able to schedule your rooted wealth analysis call so you can see what needs to be addressed before the next financial storm hits. It's madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. Want more strategies that can help support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Well, stick around. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth. Big trees fall when storms hit because they don't have deep enough roots. The same goes with your finances. Your quality of life depends on how deep your financial roots are today, tomorrow, and for years to come. If you want to learn how to design your retirement to last 30 plus years, then grab your copy of 7 Steps to a Successful Retirement by calling Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more of Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about issues and concerns that are on our investors' minds. And Brian, last segment, we talked about market crashes. We know they're there, but what can we do about it? Is there anything that we can do as an investor about these market crashes, Brian, or should we just roll with the punches, react to it? Um, Yeah, so market crashes are going to happen. They absolutely are going to happen. You know, long-term, stock market goes up over time. It's recovered from every drop it's ever had. And as I mention on the show all the time, I, I can't remember the number, but when I started public accounting, the Dow was between one and 2,000. Now it's, you know, call it 30,000. And you say, wow, that's, that's pretty good. It must just go up, up, up. Well, <laughs> as we know, we have periods of time when the market crashes. Sometimes it does it kind of overnight. Sometimes it takes a couple years. But they happen. They happen all the time. You go back historically, it doesn't happen every seven years, but that might be kind of an average that it would happen every seven years. It may go 15 years and not happen like we essentially just had. And then it may happen, uh, you get a double helping of market dropping. And so we know it's going to happen. So is there something we can do about it? Well, in the last segment we talked about, we think taxes are going to go up. Tax rates are going to go up. And there are things you can do to protect against that with proper tax planning related to your investments. As we know, market crashes, if there's a percentage of your portfolio you want to protect from market volatility, that's why we use fixed index annuities or universal life as an asset class or other investments that are maybe not correlated to your stock and bond investments. So there are things you can do. You can always go to cash, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But market crashes do happen, will happen. And, you know, we're just trying to make sure you're accounting for that probability, that almost certainty in your financial plan as you plan out the rest of your life. Brian, talking about the market and we're talking about things that people bring up to us here at Madrona Financial when they come in and talk about their plan. I have heard people talk about a flat market. It doesn't grow, doesn't lose anything. Would you say a flat market is better than a market crash or is it the other way around? It's not necessarily better. We saw the most interesting flat market last decade. So if you go back to the end of 2009, we had a decade where the S&P 500 basically started and ended in the same spot. But it sure didn't do it in a straight line. It was way up through the late 90s. And then uh, early 2000, we had the dot-com 9-11 three-year essential crash. 
And then we had this big recovery through 2007, and then then we had chinks in the armor and the financial disaster that was with our banks, and our real estate market happened in 2008. And then 2009, we had a recovery to where we ended up back where we started. So when we say a flat market, most people look at some, oh, it's flat. It's a line. No, 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 no. It just means I'm just talking about where it starts and ends in the same spot. And so for those people that lived through that, a lot of people made serious financial decisions that were very detrimental. They sold when the market was down, 2002, 2003. They were in cash. They waited. They waited until it was up in 2005 or six. They bought high. And then in 2007 and eight, it crashed again. They sold again in cash. It recovered. They weren't in the market and they didn't have a flat market. They had a terrible market for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And maybe by the end of it, they were so jaded they weren't in the market. And then we watched the next 10 years just go up, 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 and they weren't part of that either. There were so many mistakes that can be made relative to obviously a market crash. But I think almost equally or even more devastating is the flat market where it starts and ends at the same place, but decisions are made along the way for timing or based on your emotional response reactions to the volatility that might be happening during what I'm calling a flat market, Mm -hmm. that could be one of the most volatile periods of all. And Brian, I've heard some people equate the market with like a roller coaster. And I love roller coasters. I love the part where you go up the little click, click, click. But then when you get to the top, it's exciting. It's a thrill. And sometimes it's uh, it's pretty scary going down the other side. So, you know, you can avoid that sort of being scared like that by simply staying off the roller coaster. And if you stay out of the market, you're in cash. Is it a good idea to be 100% in cash, even with a very volatile market, do you think? Well, that's another great question. So with cash, you think back, I'll be talking to somebody and they say, uh, I have a a million dollars in my 401k plan, but it's been creamed of late. I used to have a million three. I say, okay. And they say, I lost 300,000. I hate the market. I just hate it, hate it, hate it. Like, well, remember this. You did not put a million dollars out of your paychecks into that 401k plan. And then we start thinking about it. Well, yeah, I probably put, I'll just throw out a number, 150,000, 200,000, whatever, of my own money. But it went to a million three and now it's a million. I lost 300 grand. I'm like, well, no. If you put in 200, now it's worth a million. You made 800. Yeah, it used to be a million one. You were up, but now you're up 800. You're still up. The market did do well for you. Had you put that in cash, and I had this situation come. This I remember this person came to me and she was close to retirement age and her friends were retiring and they had a substantial amount in their 401k. And she said, we all put the same amount of money into it. We've all worked there the same number of years. They have six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars in theirs. I have 150 in mine. Mm-hmm. I can't retire and I don't understand why. And I said, well, can I see your statement? She said, well, sure. She handed it to me. I said, well, you're all in cash. How long have you been in cash? 35 years. <laughs> okay. I'm not making this up. 35 years. I'm, a, she said, I'm afraid of the market. I'm sorry. Markets are terrible. Sorry to laugh. Go ahead. Oh, that was so depressing. <laughs> I said, yeah, well, yeah. no, they're not terrible. Uh, long term, they're great. Yeah. And the reason you don't have 800000 like your friends is because you had all cash. You have 150000 and you can't retire. Hmm. was essentially what happened. I said it in a nicer way, but I mean, that that's essentially what, what I was looking at. You can't retire on $150,000 and have a great retirement. So she had to work because of the decision to be safe and in cash for 35 years of her 401k plan. 
So some people know how to time the markets just right. They go all the cash, and, and then they know exactly when to get back in. They have the crystal ball that works really well, and <laughs> most people don't. Yeah. And they have to do that through asset allocation, diversification, diversification of product type, investment type uh, relative to their their risk tolerance and and age and and so forth. But just going to cash, boy, that can be devastating. You you just think, well, that's safe. No, you safely guaranteed that you never get to retire. (laughs) I mean, that's that's all it came out to be in that that example. And so being in cash, the the other thing is obviously if inflation's eight or nine percent. And you're earning two, you're losing six or yeah. seven every year to that. Now compound that over a number of years, hmm. and you're exacerbating the the issue that you have. So, part of investment planning is you got to take enough risk right. in certain areas to uh, have the opportunity to have the kind of growth that you need to sustain a proper retirement. So it is possible in this case to be too safe. And uh, the example there was with cash. As you said, if you're in a cash equivalent that pays 2% and inflation is 8, you are losing 6. And if it's cash cash, I mean like stuffed in a coffee can in the backyard, you're losing all 8%. We're talking with Brian Evans here about concerns if people bring us at Petrona Financial. Brian, some people will bring in a portfolio. Maybe they've had an advisor elsewhere and they will show it to you. And it was a portfolio that worked very well for them during their working years. But now they're transitioning into retirement. Does the same portfolio work in retirement as the one that you had during your working years? Probably not. Because, you know, as we talk about on this show, there is no good or bad investment. I don't like cash long term. And I just talked about how that devastated this person's retirement plan. But it can be something good short term because cash does two things. It's secure from loss and it's liquid. Those are good things. It does not provide adequate cash flow. It doesn't provide growth or tax savings. Those are not good things. Okay, so other investments maybe provide some of that. So during your working years, maybe you were in the stock market because it provided growth because you weren't touching it. It was in a 401k plan. You couldn't touch it without penalties and, and all that stuff So and high taxes. And so you left it alone. It did what it was supposed to do. It grew. But is it really good at providing adequate cash flow in retirement? No. Is it secure in retirement when you're not working? No. It's not the right tool for the job to have all your money, perhaps, in the stock market in your retirement years if your goal is more security and cash flow. That's not what it's designed to do. It's designed to grow long term. It did that. It performed its function. In retirement, you might now need to go to other kinds of investments, not all, but some other investments that are better at cash flow, security, and tax savings, if that's your objective. So every investment, again, has pros and cons. We'll always say that on this show. But what worked during your 30s and 40s and 50s may not work as well in your 60s, 70s, and 80s. And Brian, investing strategies, I think, do not get more classic than the old 60-40 allocation by holding 60% of your portfolio in stocks and 40% of your portfolio in bonds. People think that that is diversification, but that's not quite the case, is it? No, it is not. And we just saw the ultimate example of that 2022 you go, I, I just, I pull it up every so often. I look at the aggregate bond index versus the stock market index, the S&P 500. And whether it's year to date or 12 months, year over year, what we've been sold by the industry, many of people listening have been sold by the industry that there's two places to put your money, stocks and bonds. And 60-40 or 40-60 split, depending on your age, will serve you well long term. And uh, that has been the case generally 
for many years while interest rates were falling. But now that interest rates are going up, that did not serve its purpose. So when I look at that comparison year to date or 12 months year over year of the S&P 500 and the aggregate bond index, the starting point is the same and the ending point is almost the same. They've almost done the same thing. And people were sold this this story that the bonds will be safe and they were not safe. They were not even close to safe. Down close to 20% on average in 2022, that is not safe. And so people's retirement plans, I mean, they work 35 years and they go, wow, a fifth of my years, a fifth of my retirement plan just went poof because I thought half of it was safe and it was not. This had a profound effect. Again, this is the biggest asset class in the world. This has had a profound effect on people's retirement planning. Not having that that knowledge that 60-40 didn't work in 2022. It just did not. And so there are other asset classes out there that would have worked if that was part of their portfolio. Now, the problem a lot of people have is their 401k plan has three choices, cash, stocks, or bonds. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. And you can't really, if you're working someplace, you can't add other choices to that list. So it's not that it's anybody's fault that that happened, that 60-40 didn't work, because that was all they had to choose from in many 401k plans. But if you're at least age 59 and a half, you can generally roll money out of that, put it into an IRA, and have options available to do anything with the money. We're talking about some of the feedback that we get from our clients here at Madrona Financial and CPAs with Brian Evans on our radio program this week. Once again, want to remind you that our program is a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcast, search Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans, and you will find north of 200 episodes right there. You know, this rooted wealth analysis is really important, and that's why I talk about it every week because, of course, these financial storms are blowing pretty hard here, and the forecast is for them to get even stronger. We've had some strong winds that have knocked out power and felled trees, and we don't want that to happen to your financial plan. To find out how deep your financial roots are, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. You'll answer a couple of questions, then schedule a call with an advisor at Madrona Financial, and we'll see if we can deepen those financial roots for you so that you can withstand any financial storm. Once again, it's quite simple. Go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about issues that are on clients' minds. And Brian, the next one is buy, hold, and ignore. And I've heard Warren Buffett talk about the fact that with equities, if you're not willing to be in the market for 10 years, you shouldn't be in it for 10 minutes. But is that what our clients are talking about? Yeah, you know, I think that not our clients, but certainly people I've talked to for the first time, mm-hmm. one of the, the issues about all this, you know, there's, there's a lot going on here. That's why we've been able to do almost 400 hour long shows here. There's a lot to talk about in a financial planning sphere. And we don't just repeat the same things uh, week after week. We're talking about different things every week. And, and one of the things that I notice with a lot of folks, it's so confusing. There's so much misinformation out there people kind of just throw up their hands and they might say, well, you've been in a 401k plan or your investment advisor for 20 years. Generally, what do you win? And they just kind of, I, I don't know. And that's kind of, you know, maybe it's, they're a do-it-yourself or maybe they're, they're investing their own money and they invested, they picked something 20 years ago 
And it's just, they just let it ride. Now, sometimes that works to your advantage. Sometimes it doesn't. Maybe it worked for a period of time, and maybe it's not aligned with your goals today. So basically, the reason I brought this one up is buy and hold can be good with equities and real estate, certainly. Ignore, probably not good. Sometimes you get lucky, though. You, I bought something. I, I don't know. How, how was it done? I, what did you buy 20 years ago? Oh, I bought some Starbucks and some Amazon. And, <laughs> forgot oh, about you probably did just fine. Forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, forgot about that. Uh, you did just fine. But, you know, we don't want to just ignore our financial plan. So your investments may be okay. Maybe you pick something that, that worked for long term and it's working great. I've seen that many times. And that's okay. But the financial planning goes beyond that, of course. It goes to to cash flow, to legacy, to income taxes, estate taxes, trusts, charitable gifting, generational transfer, that kind of thing. So there's a lot more to it. But uh, sometimes you get fortunate with your buy, hold, and ignore, and sometimes you're not. And Brian, our next topic is not adjusting for risk. There's a lot of risk out there. Should you, on a regular basis, adjust your portfolio for risk? Yeah, and and often that's an age comment, you know, kind of a maybe you had a certain risk tolerance in your 30s and 40s. And what I've noticed is, you know, I might talk to somebody and, and they say, well, yeah, I, I can handle risk. And I'm like, no, I saw your reaction just when part of your portfolio dropped due to the market here. Yeah, I, I kind of lost it, huh? Yeah, maybe you're taking too much risk because I understand everybody can handle risk when the markets are up. I'm taking risk and I'm being rewarded and that's that's uh, I'm good with that. And then when they give some of that back, maybe you're not so good. And so that might be an indication that, well, at this point in your life, you need to take some risk off the table. And generally speaking, most people we meet with, that is what they're they're coming to us for. They want to take some risk off the table. They want to find some more tax efficient, more cash flow centered investments, a better approach to investing than what they've been using that maybe worked fine during their 30s, 40s, and 50s, but maybe isn't really designed for their 60s, 70s, and 80s. We're talking about some of the feedback that we get here at Madrona Financial and CPAs from clients and people who are in for their first appointments. Next one is lack of diversification, Brian, and I can't help but think about that gentleman. You asked him if he was diversified, and as I recall, didn't he name off uh, computer companies or pieces of computers? He thought that was diversification. Yeah, he absolutely thought he was diversified. He said, I got this down. I got Dell, I got Microsoft, I got Intel. Yeah, he just named off, I'm looking at a computer and a screen in front of me. He named off everything inside and outside <laughs> that I'm looking at and the software sitting inside of it. So I'm like, huh, well, those are all the components of a computer system, but uh, I wouldn't call that diversification. For decades, we've been told as long as you're 60, 40 stocks, bonds or bond stocks, you're diversified. And as we talked earlier on this show, that did not work in 2022. And, you know, outside of stocks, well, what do you mean by diversification then? I got I got the S&P 500 or I got the QQQ. I got the NASDAQ. That's diversified. It has hundreds of companies in it. Yeah. And they averaged over 30% loss in 2022. You're going, oh, yeah. That didn't work. They all went the same direction, didn't they? Yeah, they're kind of correlated. So when we talk about diversification, we have to also enter this other word called correlation. If your diversified assets are all correlated and move the same direction, up or down, they're not really diversified. They're kind of the same thing with different names. And so that's what's happening with a lot of people's investments. 
And so non-correlated assets to the stock and bond market would include fixed indexed annuities, uh, universal life, Delaware statutory trusts and 1031 exchanges, or private non-traded equity or debt REITs. Uh, somewhat correlated, but with protections, might include buffered ETFs or structured notes or, or different kinds of investments. So there's a lot of things out there that can benefit you that, uh, again, aren't 100% correlated to the index that you're covering, whether that be the stock market or the bond market. Brian, I want to talk about ignoring the issues a little bit. I think about the ostrich. I mean, when it sees a risk or it sees a threat or a predator, it simply sticks its head in the sand because it figures if it can't see it, he must be safe. (laughs) Does the same thing apply to investors? They ignore the issues and thus are harmed by what's going on? I mean, I, I think it's more what I want to talk about here is just that they haven't addressed it for a while. So I'll meet with someone or my advisors will meet with someone and, okay, and they'll say, well, I haven't really, I don't really pay attention to this stuff. I don't really understand it as much as I should. And I said, why should you? That's not, none of us are trained in that in grade school, high school, or college. And we we certainly don't get an education class from our 401k providers. So one that's going to help us all that much. And so hopefully that's why you're listening to this show right now. And so, you know, maybe you don't have an updated will, living trust, durable power of attorney, or healthcare directive. That's very common. And so our purpose on this show is to provide you a safe environment where you can come and say, let me just explore this with you and your advisors that I don't have to ignore this. I can take a look at this. You're not going to pressure us. You're not going to push us to buy something. We're allowed to say, no, we don't need to go forward in the process. And that's perfectly okay. In fact, that's highly encouraged to let us know early rather than late that you're you're okay. You don't need our services. That's fine. And so we want to have a safe environment that's easy to ask questions. You know, you're going to get good answers. You know, we're competent and that we're going to try and do the right thing for you that you can have your financial plan looked at, your investments, your strategies, your tax planning, estate, trust, whatever, looked at, and that we would come up with something so that you're not ignoring it. We could talk about the things that we, we feel like you need to have a successful retirement plan. Then, you know, it starts with our book, The Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement, and go through that process with you. And if, again, I want to reiterate this, any time along that process, that you don't think it's a good fit, you tell us we're not going to try and talk you out of it. We just aren't going to do that. That's okay. We don't expect everybody that calls us to say, wow, I need to put all my stuff with you. That's just not realistic. We want to work with people that want to work with us, and we want to make sure it's a good fit for us to be working with you, that we think we can have a value add, and that you need our services and want to work with us. So when we find that good connection, that's when it works. It moves forward. If it's not there, that's okay. So it is okay to say no at Madrona Financial. This is a situation that will benefit both of us. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs about concerns that we hear from our clients and potential clients who come in for their first meeting. Brian, I had a former colleague who was getting ready to retire. She and her husband were retiring, and I suggested that she consult a financial advisor. And she said, well, my husband's an engineer at Boeing. He's a pretty bright guy, and he does it all himself. So I think we're okay. Is that a misconception that uh, DIYers, smart people, can actually do as well as a professional can? Um, They can, but do they statistically? Absolutely not. 
So J.P. Morgan puts out there, as we, we go around this show, their quarterly market commentary, and they have a graph in there that shows the 25-year average of REITs and 60-40 stock bond splits and equities and international stocks and bonds and you name it. And invariably, the individual components of what most people can invest in, every single one of them, with the exception of cash, is higher than the average return of the do-it-yourself investor. It just is, because do-it-yourselfers make the mistakes I talked about earlier on the show of timing the market at the wrong times, buying high, selling low, kind of investing relative to their emotional state at the time. And that can have a bad effect. So some do-it-yourselfers do great. No, I don't want to say they don't. But the average does not. It does less than, than the individual components. And so that's where, you know, having that second opinion, you know, certainly can help out. And and the reason, one of the big reasons why a do-it-yourselfer can't put together often a proper retirement plan is because they don't have access. You have to be licensed to have access to fixed annuities, fixed indexed annuities, universal life, premium finance, Delaware statutory trusts, opportunity zones, etc. A lot of the tools we use, you just don't even have access to. We do as licensed financial and insurance advisors. Brian, a lot of great information on the show today. We've been talking about the things that our clients are talking to us about and potential clients. If you would, Brian, sort of recap uh, what we talked about today. Yeah, almost a domino effect. We started with political decisions that lead to led to a lot of spending this year and geopolitical issues that led to issues with our investments and so forth. Uh, all of that led to inflation. We put a lot of money into the economy. That led to the Fed having to tamper down the economy with interest rate increases, which led to bonds, the biggest uh, investment category of all, losing a ton of money. Uh, so people's bond portfolios and retirement portfolios were upended. What that's going to lead to is an increase in taxes in the future. We got to pay this back somehow or, or, you know, tamp it down somehow. All of this uncertainty led to a stock market crash. Uh, stock market crashes contribute to long-term flat markets where your starting point and ending point aren't that good. A lot of people go to cash, and that can be devastating long-term when you have inflation. So people have the 60-40 stock bond split. They felt like they were in, a, in good shape, and they found out that their bond portfolio dropped as much as their stock portfolio, so they aren't in good shape. Some people just ignored the whole thing. They didn't adjust for risk or in retirement ne- needing to have more security and cash flow which is, comes from a lack of diversification. And finally, we talked about how the do-it-yourself investor with all this and not having access to all the products that can help assuage some of these uh, issues doesn't perform on average as good as, as the investments themselves do. So kind of putting this all together, there's a, a, again, our, our purpose was not to depress everybody listening, but to say there's a lot going on and uh, there's a lot to financial planning and that uh, we can offer a safe environment to kind of go through some of this stuff so that you're protected as good as we can from the things that we know inevitably are going to happen. Well, Brian, this has been an information-packed show, a lot of education. And once again, if our listeners are just joining us, they want to hear the whole show and get Brian's opinions on things. You can hear the show by going to wherever you get your podcasts and searching Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans. Or this show is also on our website at madronafinancial.com. Brian, out of time for this week, I want to thank you for your time. But most of all, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. 
No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth Show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.